you say, okay, I want to make the most money, which is why I'm coming to the US. But ultimately, you realize that somebody will always have a bigger car. Somebody will always have a bigger Ferrari. Somebody will always have a nicer thing. So hello everyone, we have Vishnin here. He was also engineers like us, like majority of Indians coming to the US, starting their life. He started his career in Bay Area, which is a dream of every software engineer in the US to start their career there. He started it there. He will be giving his experience and quitting his job and then creating a business. So hi Vishen, can you please introduce yourself? Hey Arnold, I think I think you did justice with the introduction, but yes, the recovering engineer, uh, now running a financial planning business and I live in Washington, D.C. now. So first of all, can you please give your impression of Bay Area? Like, did it live up to the hype that it has, like, you know, becoming software engineer? Yeah, I, I think the Bay Area is a fantastic place if you're uh, if you're a software engineer, uh, just because you see the amount of innovation and uh, everybody is living, eating, breathing, sleeping code, right? So... It's pretty much, uh, if you've done hackathons in college, they have the same concept in the Bay Area where they just have companies doing hackathons. And if you love software, if you love like new technology, the Bay Area is absolutely the place to be, which is also the downside that you're steeped in that culture all the time. And if you are trying to get some kind of diversity outside of that, it's not uh, that great of a place. So um a thing that everybody that I work with in the Bay Area says is like, we feel poor in the Bay because there is always somebody who is richer than you, who is doing more interesting work, who is going bigger, better, harder, faster, stronger. So Yeah, I have heard about it. One of my friends was telling me that the day he was driving Honda Civic, he looked at a Tesla. The, Bay, the day in Bay Area, he bought a Tesla, he looked at Ferrari in the same building. So, you know, the comparisons are endless in Bay Area. You keep looking up, up, up in your career and there's no limit to that sky. Yeah. And, and that, that's kind of actually why I got interested in money because money um, is like, it, it's so relative, right? Everybody's definition of enough, everybody's definition of uh, happiness, like everybody's definition, like life goals are different. And somehow everybody is like still just trying to achieve one thing, which is being happy and being content. But the scale at which it happens is so different for everybody. Absolutely agree. But can you also tell the mindset of people in Bay Area? I've heard many people over there are introverts. It is very difficult to make friends over there. What do you think about it? I think it's an overgeneralization. There are obviously people that are social and there are people... I, I think it's just people that are very technically knowledgeable who, who spend a lot of time thinking about solving very complex problems. Um, and as I said, I think because they eat, sleep, breathe, live software engineering or coding, for example, they don't spend as much time maybe exploring other hobbies or activities. But at the same time, like you have, like you have a healthy number of people that enjoy rock climbing. You have a healthy number of people that enjoy going on hikes uh, and scuba diving. So I, I think it's an overgeneralization. But yeah, for sure, there are people that are like that. And I, I did... And did I hear it right? You started with a salary of $75,000 in Bay Area. Yeah, that's correct. Um, <laughs> uh, I had a hard time getting a job right after college. So what I did was I actually moved out to the Bay Area in search of a job. And then because my visa was expiring ar around, then I had to just kind of take the first offer, which was 
$75,000. It's not not bad because this was back in 2015 and I had roommates and I was driving a crappy car and things like that. But it's not enough, right? Especially when you see people are making 150 and then 300,000, things like that. Yeah, not to make fun of it. I mean, I also started with around 75,000, 80,000 and then grew up in a year to much more than that. I also started with the same figure. But in reality, I've heard the poverty line in Bay Area is 100K. You know, below that amount is considered like, you know, you are not even able to meet up to your expensive expenses, bread, butter and stay. So how how did you manage like all of that? Yeah, I, I mean, I think that those are the official figures, right? So because the government has to calculate based on a certain number, I think very much like if you live at home and you uh, you live with roommates and you like you don't have a car payment and you don't have a debt payment. Uh, I was very fortunate that my parents were able to like fund most of my college for me. And uh, and you just don't have hobbies. I think you'll be fine. <laughs> just stay at home. I can feel the pain. I mean, I have, I have actually felt it, but I can see that it could be much worse than I would have felt it in Atlanta. Now, uh, continuing with your journey. So when was the point in your mind that you thought like, yeah, let's quit this nine to five job. Let's create your own business with all the restrictions that US gives you. It is kind of scary when that had happened. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think I quickly realized I was not cut out for engineering. So, um, I was trying to look at other avenues, maybe product management, and then really trying to get a better sense of what would be fulfilling for, for me in doing work, right? So I enjoyed working with people. I enjoyed everybody wants to make impact with the work that they do. Um, I wanted to see the impact because working at a software company, sometimes you do impact at scale, but you, you, you never get to kind of speak to or hear from your clients who think, hey, your thing changed my life, right? Um, so I kind of got like having that one level of separation kind of didn't make me feel as content with the work. Um, and then, and then obviously challenges with like money and stuff. I, I started understanding like how to make your money grow further. Um, and, and quickly realized that like, yeah, money is not everything. And then you need job satisfaction. And then, uh, like doing the work kind of work that I did, I said, maybe let's, uh, let's try to find an alternate career path. And then I've always wanted to do something on my own. You know, everybody has that key middle school, high school. You say like, oh, we should do a startup with your best friend. You always, everybody has kind of dreamt about it at some point. So I was, I was, I've always had that want. Uh, I think uh, after finding the financial planning career and looking at the viability, I said, maybe this is something that we could pursue. Got it. Like it, it, uh, it requires, you know, audacity it requires balls to make it possible so like can you please share like in the in the u.s you know there are a lot of visa restrictions would you like to add on how did you go through it and yeah um i was i was looking for something that i could kind of work with people but again the chat because the, the, there are challenges with running a visa uh, with running a business on a work visa ultimately i got lucky i got married to a u.s citizen uh, and so I got my green card through that. Uh, and that kind of gave me a lot more flexibility in, in terms of even thinking about doing this. Um, so since I first started thinking about it to when I actually started the business is about three to four years. 
And then after that, I waited for another two years to go full time working on the business. Wow. Uh, that That is incredible. Now let's talk about like creating a business. Uh, how did you create a business? I've heard like, you know, business creation is very easy in the US. In India, you have to wait for weeks. In the US, like you can get approved in one day. Like just go online, fill the form. You just have to give your name. Not even sometimes social security number. I don't know if they ask or not. But just fill a simple form what your business is about. And you have a business. And that is next level because business creation is very important. It is called LLC, Limited Liability Company. Because let's say that you have, you know, a rental business. You know, you have tenants coming in your home and you have one room given to a tenant. Let's say, you know, uh, somehow they destroy your property. Now it's a limited liability company. Your business is separate from you. So if they destroy you, if like, let's say they, you know, they destroy your house, if your house is owned by a business, you will not be in debt. The business will be in. That's how you create the line between it, right? So that is a big thing. A lot of restaurants, they create business. Uh, they, they create that business on a business name. Say that restaurant runs out of money and it has big loans of cars. You will not be sued. Just the restaurant will be and you will still have, you know, all the savings. So that's the magic of it. Now, can you please share how did you create and what were the steps you took? Yeah, uh, I just did it on my own. Uh, if anybody is considering opening a business in the US, we there, there is a service called Legal Zoom that you can use. Uh, they basically simplify and streamline the entire process. And there is another website called Clerky, I believe, that lets you register your LL, LLC, Limited Liability Company, yeah. to just kind of get... Once you open the LLC, you can open a bank account associated with the LLC, and then you can you're off to the races. It's pretty much uh, <laughs> it's pretty much you're free, free to like run your company after that. Um, but I I was trying to save money because I was doing this as a side project. I wanted to save every dollar, so I actually read up. I was living in California when I started this, and I read up on the California like business website how to open an LLC. It seemed fairly simple, so I just clicked the buttons that I thought were correct, and then I had an LLC. Wow, that is amazing, because I personally know about a website called INC File, which I've used in the past. It is so easy, and you just fill the form, and they charge only $100. And like, yeah, I mean, I can give the referral link in description, but that is also very easy, similar to the websites you're mentioning. But you didn't even use a website. You just went to the business website and applied directly. That is mind-blowing. Yeah, I, I don't know if I would do it the same way again, but it was just something, you know, when, when you're starting out, necessity is the mother of invention, as they say. True, 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 true. And can you please share about a business? So what have you created and uh, how you converted your passion to reality? Yeah, uh, the like running businesses and being steeped in the Silicon Valley, you obviously see a lot of really big businesses. So their their goal is to grow big, raise a lot of money, hire a lot of people, and build something that changes the world, as they say. The Silicon Valley joke is that, you know, everybody is trying to make a difference or change the world or change the way we do something, right? Uh, I think for me, I after seeing that business model, I wanted to do something much smaller. I wanted to see, personally see the impact of the work that I did. Uh, and I, I knew that, uh, you know, finances were a pain point for a lot of people, such as you and me, right? We, as immigrants, we come, we have to learn the new financial system. There are lots of tax rules. There are uh, reporting requirements. There are residency requirements. There are, there's the question of what if I go back to India? 
And so to solve all of that, I actually started a company uh, to do financial planning and financial education for people. So people like you and me, NRIs, uh, as as they call us, uh, who need help to understand the financial structure in the US and or who actually need help if there are people that want to have uh, their investments managed or they want to be handheld or they're looking for some professional opinion on on anything finance related between India and the US. Um, I'm here to help them. Oh, very nice. So can you ask what kind of help you provide in terms of, you know, personal finance, expenses, investing, you know, people who are in engineering, they don't have time to learn about finances. They don't have time to learn about marketing. They don't have time to, you know, uh, like invest in individual stocks that they have knowledge about. They just try to, you know, see Google kia NVIDIA stock NVIDIA stock is going up and it is hyped. I'll just buy it. There are some groups, there are some WhatsApp groups we have, like where people talk about it. But we are the ones, we don't have time to in-depth study every single stock. So how do you help in that category? Yeah, uh, I think investing is actually the last thing that we tackle. Uh, everything else is really creating a solid financial base, right? So one is really understanding your job, company, salary, benefits. Uh, sometimes your companies have lots of good perks and you don't have an understanding of how to make use of them. Your company offers uh, healthcare insurance and you don't know which plan to pick. You just pick the cheapest. You don't understand the uh, repercussions of picking a certain plan. You're like, oh, this is the cheapest plan. Then you get hit hit by a bus and then you have a $20,000 bill, even though you are, have health insurance. Um, then covering your cash flows, which is, okay, how much money is coming in? How much money is going in? Obviously doing a budget and then based on based on that kind of allocating money or like cultivating good spending habits, saving habits. Uh, in the sense you have 401ks, you have IRAs, you have brokerage accounts, you have 529s for college, you have all these tax advantage type of accounts. How to kind of automate your savings there so that you're like you're ultimately spending all the money that you have, but you're already saving. So like making saving second nature. And then after all of that, defining your life goals and ensuring that your money is aligned with your goals. Now, this is, I think, where everybody has issues, right? Because you say, okay, I want to make the most money, which is why I'm coming to the US. But ultimately, you realize that somebody will always have a bigger car. Somebody will always have a bigger Ferrari. Somebody will always have um, nicer things. And so really helping people define enough and then being able to live your life to, okay, say, like take a sabbatical, or to say, okay, I ultimately do want to go back to India. And so if I have enough money, I will have enough money to kind of think about going back. Uh, because ultimately you get trapped here. <laughs> um, and, and, and lastly, investing, which is just, you know, helping people go into uh, broad-based index tracking mutual funds. I don't do stocks because the amount of work required to keep up, manage, monitor, sell, stocks is a lot of money, is a lot of time and money. And ultimately, you need to have very good discipline. And also, you need to be right twice about stock, once when you buy it and once when you sell it. So for that reason, I think everybody is better off letting the indexes do the heavy lifting. And we just have everybody stay invested. Very nice. And what about the final step in investing and you know your personal finance about taxes? Do you help in that as well? So I don't file taxes, but I can do tax planning. 
which is uh, there are ways to take make use of the tax code to your advantage and really kind of figuring out what are the best ways to do it for example so i have i'll give you an example i have i have somebody who i'm working with next week who has actually it's a husband and a wife and the wife is trying to go back to college uh, for her mba and now they're trying to figure out what are the tax opportunities available to them right and what is the best way to kind of fund college in the short term so that they're able to make the most of those so think what are like and so then we'll we'll look through the tax code see what is applicable right and see if they're eligible and then recommend that they can look into one of these and then obviously when when they file taxes and i have accountant partners cpa partners that you can work with or uh, you can do it yourself on TurboTax but to make sure that you are claiming it and then what i do is i typically will review your return to see that if everything looks good and you took advantage of the thing or whether your cpa missed it for example yeah that is brilliant because all the details you mentioned are very important being in the us let's say you know someone who has chosen the cheapest health insurance next day something happens i can give you an example i have a friend he had a great health insurance he went and donated blood after donating blood he hit his head on the road and he was taken through an ambulance which is not covered and now next day when he wakes up he sees a bill of $18000 and he will be like you know i was donating blood i was not even conscious they had to fight for those you know fight for how to get covered for that now at this time making people aware of how they can you know plan their finances better in terms of medical emergencies or financial emergencies they can get them covered right yeah. and i think part of that is really even if you are spending a lot you have to understand why you're spending it right or what is happening so ultimately having a plan in terms of okay like i know that in case something happens i have 10000 like i might incur a bill of $10000 and to be able to like say okay i have that money in the bank rather than having to go into credit to pay a bill because you didn't think that it was going to be so expensive uh, i kind of draw parallels to uh, having a gym trainer right everybody's fitness goals are very unique very different uh everybody's financial goals are unique and different so i'm really your gym coach who kind of creates a customized workout plan uh the same for your finances the same way they create a workout plan for your body and then i'm ensuring that you are uh executing on it right which is making basically like being behind you like hey you did this hey you did that and then obviously keeping keeping track of how things change because we can create a plan but then tomorrow you have a, a leg injury or something we need to change the way you do your weightlifting and your exercise routine the same way life things in life change your goals might change you might have to go back to india to take care of your parents or you might have a child and then you have to include estate planning and insurance for example and we want to make sure that uh, you have that taken care of that's a wonderful way you laid it out i can tell you like i have actually overspent money and by talking to you i realized So let's say uh, I I actually paid like you know around uh, $2000 to a CPA to file my taxes because uh, but but now talking to you I realize it's so expensive so by talking to people who are in the same boat like you know you get to know that how you're overspending so that's where it is important to at least once in life to talk to a financial advisor that's absolutely correct i think another uh, example that i can i can draw for you is with a lot of tech employees that receive a lot of stock right where uh you are like you know all your friends are like ha huh, amazon apple google are all the top companies and we should just hold on to all the stock 
sometimes it doesn't make sense and sometimes like you have to use that money to fund other other life goals or purchases so what is the optimal way to do it what is what is the way your tax is uh how are you taxed on that and uh what is the way to smartly offload that for example uh you will you'll find very often that people are earning 300000 with like 200000 in stock and then they'll they'll get a tax bill with a penalty at the end because it like rsus for example your restricted stock units are withheld at 22% flat even though your tax bracket might be at 24 or, or a 32% in which case then the irs feels like you underpaid and then you have to pay a penalty on the difference so even just changing yeah even just changing the withholding that you have on your uh, taxes you can just make sure that you don't hit a penalty which is 10% of uh, your total tax bill that is insane because you know a lot of businesses like i can tell you way middle class engineers play ta- pay taxes around like 30 to 40% but businesses like mark zuckerberg elon musk they pay maximum 20% because they pay taxes on the stocks they hold they keep all their money in stocks and capital gain tax on stocks is only 20% and that is also on the profit right right this yeah yeah the, but rsus for example are not taxed as long term gains when you receive them it's treated as cash oh. so it's basically like instead of paying you money they they took your money bought microsoft shares with it for example and then gave you the microsoft shares so yeah so on your tax return uh, you would you would just receive 300000 dollars of income which is considered cash even though they've given you 200000 in microsoft stock and well or and so the withholding yeah so the withholding that they do which is they say we'll sell some of your stock to cover the tax liability they only sell 22% even though your true tax bracket which you will file for in this year will be uh will be 24 or 32%. So the way I I get people to think about it is hey like if you were given just cash of $200,000 would you take that and buy all of Microsoft stock with that $200,000 or would you do something different? Right? And then based on that you can say okay maybe you should not be holding all your RSUs and maybe it's time to diversify a little bit. Yeah, so in that case slowly selling and covering up your losses is better to overall optimize it right and that's where you help i see this is something i didn't know at all because i thought capital gain taxes rich and poor they pay 20% but now you told the harsh reality rich who own businesses when businesses own the stocks they pay max 20% but when we are like you know employees not businessmen we get the same stock we pay normal 30% taxes even on stocks harshality yeah and then you folded it and then you can hopefully pay 20% on the gain that you receive insane insane now here comes the very important question since you are a businessman now please tell me the difference between if a person is making $100,000 as an employee versus $50,000 as profit as a businessman which one is better <laughs> so So when I started the business I would have said you know everybody should do LLC everybody should do a business because it's the most tax efficient then I realized that running a business is hard <laughs> so you're never off you can never kind of shut down and go I'm sure it's the same thing with doing YouTube right you are always on that treadmill of content creation thinking what ideas interviewing people where is the next big thing coming from editing recording etc 
Um, so I I don't know. I I think ultimately it depends on what kind of lifestyle the person wants. I will tell you that business owners end up paying more taxes, and that tax is actually covered by your employer if you work for someone you just don't see it. So uh, for example, the Social Security and Medicare uh, are actually double of what an employer an employee receives on their paycheck. Uh, it's about seven and a half percent on your paycheck. Whereas as an employee, you have to pay both the employer and the employee portion, which is 15, uh, 15%. But that being said, uh, we have a lot more flexibility in terms of the expenses that we can take. So as long as it is a business-related expense, so going to conferences and uh, taking business meals and then meeting people and then studio recording equipment in your case, for example, all of that would be considered business expense. So you have your revenue, you can subtract $50,000 of expenses from that and then whatever's left over is profit, but you pay 15% on it. So there's a lot more wiggle room to get creative with the way you take home money. Very interesting. Let's let's consider an example. What I have heard is businessmen don't pay taxes because they take $1 salary like Mark Zuckerberg and all of the CEOs. So let's say, you know, you make $100,000 on one side through business, $100,000 through as an employee, so let's let's make a chart of it, right? So let's consider hundred thousand dollars as an employee. You get like thirty five percent taxes. You have sixty five thousand dollars in hand. Versus on the other on the uh, other hand, when you're a businessman, hundred thousand dollars, you can pay yourself only one dollar, not pay any salary. And in this scenario, you can you know let's say fifty thousand dollars you spend on your car, ten thousand dollars on your rent, and then ten thousand dollars on your food, meals, all the business-related expense. You're left with $30,000, that's just profit, and now you pay taxes on that. And yeah. and now what you do with 30000 you are saying is, out of the 30000 you have to pay mandatory salary to yourself. Let's say I give 1000 salary to my personal self, I will pay 7.5% employee, 7.5% employer. But at the same time, you're saying... Is that necessary? Why can't you just pay yourself $1 and keep spending from business? So the IRS actually has a rule around it. You have to pay yourself uh, quote-unquote reasonable salary. Uh, and so up, out of scope of discussion for this video, but they have they have LLCs and you have an LLC that can be taxed as a an S-Corp. So the S-Corp requires you to have, um, to have you take a reasonable salary which means you have to look at what the comparable salary for somebody who's doing the same work is. And you should take that, otherwise you risk getting audited. Um, and then, so assuming the third out of the $35,000, you take about $25,000 to $30,000 because that's a livable wage. You kind of want to pay yourself for something that looks like a reasonable salary. Uh, the remaining 5%, you actually don't pay the Social Security Medicare so that's where uh, you you take that as a business distribution and that's considered uh, like you don't have to pay Social Security and Medicare on it. So that comes to a lower tax bracket. But overall too, your uh, salary of 30,000 has like your, your tax only on the 30,000, right? So your overall tax liability also comes down compared to $65,000 that you receive. Got it. Now those $30,000, yeah, you will pay less taxes, but you have to pay a reasonable salary and reasonable... Uh, what I've heard is it has to be every month at least 10% of your profit. Some people say that, like, right? So let's say every month your profit is like $1,000. $100 should be given in salary every single month. That makes sense. So that's why you still pay taxes. Now, these CEOs, 
they escape that drought because they keep all of that money in stocks. What you're you're talking about comes from the executive compensation being mostly stock rather than any kind of salary. Yeah. So thank you so much, Vishen. It was wonderful talking to you. I personally learned a lot. Now, how can people learn from you and get to know you? Thank you for having me, Arnold. Um, I am active on LinkedIn. So if you want to follow me, uh, my name is Vrishan Subramaniam. I have my company website, which is www.capital-we.com. That's W-E, you and me. Um, and then I have socials. And then if you want, I can send you my email. We can keep it in the in the video description below so that people sure. can email me with any questions. Thank you again. I hope people can actually solve their financial problems by discussing with you as well. So yeah, no, thank, you. thank you for having me. Yeah, it was my pleasure. Thank you.